genre. To Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate the movie Spider-Man one lecturing minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. <laughs> and I'm Zach Luna. And I'm Paul Montgomery. Welcome to the show, Paul. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, today we're talking about Minute 36, which starts with Uncle Ben uh, telling uh, Peter that he that he has he does all those weird experiments in his room. Uh, and ends with Peter telling uh, his uncle Ben to stop lecturing him. Yep. Uh, yeah. Is, uh, so full, full minute in the car. Yeah. Full, yeah. full minute yeah. in the classic. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first thing that I, I needed to point out is that uh, I, I, I feel like not enough movies shoot these car scenes today in locations. Like this is the yeah. kind of thing that they would just like throw on a green screen um, yeah. and fill in the background later or, you know, with B-roll or whatever. Um, yeah. I I really liked that they were obviously just like in uh, New York or I assume yeah. this is New York. Maybe this is downtown this LA. Is, I don't know. No, this is on location at the New York Public Library. So it's because okay. when they pull out at the end, well, I guess tomorrow's minute, we'll see them do the, the wide shot of him getting out of the car. But it all it all tracks. It is in New York City. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's sort of dedication for what is just a simple sort of shot reverse shot exchange in a car. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's so easy to be lazier with this sort of thing. But it, it I love that they go all the way with it. Um, it's a very simple scene overall, but they really execute it well. I mean, this is one of the few like pure just acting scenes in the first third of the movie where you just sort of sit and watch the characters bounce off of each other. Um, Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And we talked about uh, last week in the, the kept draft um, that this hmm. scene took place the day before on the porch (laughs) of the Parker home uh, between Ben and Peter uh, this whole great power, great responsibility speech. Um, and it had a way different vibe. And so when he drops him off, uh, to go to the wrestling thing, um, he, it just says, you know, who, who, what, what, what is it? It's something like, ah, who needs words? Um, is, is the, yeah. like, that's the, that's the whole thing is like, Peter's like, yeah, we, we barely talked during the, the whole car ride. And he's like, ah, who needs words? He's like, I'll see you later. And then just drops them off and leaves. <laughs> um, I like, I, I, I think I, I, I understand that instinct from a filmmaking perspective because it, it is, you know, in the context of the movie, it's totally fine. And, and Raimi makes it work and, 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 you know, the actors make it yeah. work, but it does seem weird to have such an important speech 
just happening in a car. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or it, to so happen. I, I, yeah, the tail end of the car ride or something. Yeah, right, right, right. So, like, I I understand the instinct of wanting to do it in like maybe a, a slightly more cinematic location, uh, mm-hmm. but I do think that you know, having this discussion right before the events that lead to what they lead to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think it's, it's more important that it's happening here than it would have been uh, the night before. You know, it's an, it's an interesting scene because it's, it feels very authentic. Like you said, it's not, it's not a green screen moment. It, uh, if you are from, I mean, I'm from Philadelphia, so, um, you know, sl- slightly, slightly smaller scale than this Manhattan sequence, but it, but this feels like, um, you know, downtown, um, sitting in the car that, that moment before you leave each other, obviously they're, they're coming from, uh, they're coming from Queen, they're coming from Queens, right? Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And, Forest uh, Hills, yeah. Forest Hills, right. And so they're, they're, they're coming from, um, more of a, a, you know, a bedroom community, more of a, more of a neighborhood area and coming into Manhattan and that moment where you're, you're dropping the younger generation off. Um, obviously this is a, this is a loved old car. We'll get to see more of it, obviously in the, in the next sequence. Um, yeah. Uh, a little bit weird to see somebody getting dropped off in a car in New York, because obviously you normally, and when it's a clandestine thing like this, you would take the mm-hmm. subway. Um, mm-hmm. right. but this feels like an opportunity for, uh, for uncle Ben to just have some time with Peter and in that old boat, uh, <laughs> taking it down, down to the city, um, on his way to do some errands on his way to work, to do whatever it is. Um, yeah. and have that heart to heart moment. And I like it taking place in a car. And part of it is I love Cliff Robertson as uncle Ben feels like mm-hmm. I mean, this guy has had such a career um mm-hmm. had but also just feels really as authentic as much as i love martin sheen in the mm-hmm. uh in the next spider-man trilogy um yeah duology um <laughs> uh, intended <there's>, trilogy <laughs> but Mar- martin sheen's great and i and i love i love his phone moment uh you know in, in the end of that film but but here cliff robinson feels like such a great blue collar granddad. Uh, he reminds me a lot of yeah. my own grandfather um, and right down to the blue eyes. But he just, this guy feels like uh, not a movie star, but just a guy who has worked his whole life and, totally. um, and, and done something, something blue collar, something very salt of the earth and mm-hmm. is, is wise. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love the rapport between these two, uh, really, yeah, really yeah. nice. And, you know, you're, you should feel ashamed, um, for Peter's <laughs> actions for, for being, yeah, you know, for lying to his grandfather and for taking, you know, his privilege for granted here. Um, yeah. I mean, feels this sort very of, real. yeah, this sort of, uh, strange setting for this, um, uh, this sort of discussion and the timing of all that, uh, it fits with this type of man that Uncle Ben is that, you know, we, we could have, you know, a, a porch scene at sunset or whatever or something like Scott was saying, more traditionally uh, cinematic for one of these big heart to heart conversations. But the idea of you being in the car with me and he sort of engineered this moment um, 
is is beautiful to me. It feels it feels real, and it, it also feels. Um, I I don't want to lean towards the phrase realistic too often when talking about this movie because it's it's not uh, of a realistic uh, tone or um, or or sheen or approach, but it is trying to be realistic in the the emotional um, through line. You know that that the way that these characters interact with each other feels real, and I think there's something much more realistic about the last conversation you have with someone you don't usually get to have that last conversation with them in an ideal setting. You know, let's sit down and talk about ourselves and let me tell you how much I love you. It's often, yeah, I, I just caught them, you know, as I was doing this, that, and the other, and we, uh, I was on one way and they were there and we talked and I maybe said something stupid. And then I always think about that. So the idea of it being instead of a day earlier or more quote unquote, properly placed in the screenplay that we have it hit home here and we have it be a uh, almost awkward uh, environment that it's, it's awkward in any city when you park and you're ready to get out of the car and then you have, you know, you got to get going. So there's already the tension of this doesn't feel like an ideal time to talk. And that awkwardness, I think, feels more for lack of a better word, real in this sort of scenario. Just just imagine him uh, this this the same conversation taking place like on on the subway, like like the doors are closing and, and Uncle Ben <laughs> yeah, just like exactly. holds the door closed and people are just like trying to squeeze through and it would right. have to be even quicker, be like a five second conversation, not even that. And, you know, and the doors closing between them and, and Peter just blowing them off totally. I, I think there's something yeah. really sweet about it being like the family car that, you know, he, they don't really, you know, necessarily have to have a car given the neighborhood that they're in. Um, mm mm-hmm. So they could just do everything by the subway. But here it's like this is a little piece of of home and um, taking the time out of his day to give Peter a ride somewhere. Um, Actually having that concern that he'll be all right wherever he's going down in the the crazy hectic city where anything can happen. Um, so I think it's, it's really nice. And then obviously the, the delivery is, is great. And, and, um, just feels heartfelt and um like you said it's it's a very heightened movie it's it's sam raimi being crazy usually but this moment is really important as just sort of a grounding moment mm-hmm. and even if yeah. it's something that in the moment peter is taking for granted is going to be a touchstone throughout his life and throughout his career as spider-man is always going to think about this few minutes in the car crystallized uh, even though at the time, like he, he probably wishes he could relive this moment. Um, yeah. All the yeah. time. I, I think too, um, I, I think having it happen in the car like this, uh, so it's sort of a fly by the seat of your pants sort of conversation um, mm-hmm. that's happening here. And, and what I like about that, you know, you're talking about, you know, comparing uh, Clint to, to Martin, um, mm-hmm. in the amazing, uh, series and, you know, M- Martin Sheen's uncle Ben is, he feels more, um, I mean, you use the word wise to describe, uh, Clint and I don't know, I, Clint always strikes me. His uncle Ben always just feels like he's a guy who is always just sort of doing the best he can. And that's about everything that he does, including being a father or, or guardian to Peter. 
And mm-hmm. so in this situation, you know, he's just sort of doing the best he can. He knows someone needs to have this conversation with Peter because of the way Peter has been acting. And so yeah. he's just doing the best he can. Whereas when you looked at what Martin Sheen was doing, Martin Sheen was basically playing Bartlett um, as, yeah. as <laughs> uncle Ben, which is a very yeah. different kind of, uh, tone to the character and yeah. it's great it's Person a great to live up to yeah yeah it's a, it's a great additional tone and a, and a different uh way of looking at this character but i i i really do see uh clint's uncle ben as i'm sorry cliff's uncle ben as um yeah. that kind of just doing the best i'm doing the best i can with this kid and yeah. that's what this whole conversation feels like to me. Like even he even gets the bit wrong where he's talking about the fight and he's like, he's like, you know, you're starting fights at school. And, and Peter's like, I didn't start that fight. Um, yeah. I, you know, what, what was I supposed to walk away? No, you're not supposed to walk away. And so like right there, he's sort of getting frustrated at himself by the way that yeah. this speech is going because he's like, I, that wasn't the way that I was supposed to put this because he's right. You're not supposed to walk away, but you're not supposed to, you know, kick the poor kid's ass either. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and so he's just like, okay, how, how can I better word this? This is, and, this is yeah. very, yeah, this is a very important conversation. Uh, he says, um, I think it's in the next minute where he actually says he doesn't want to lecture. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But, it's, but this is a very important um, sermon, very important message that he wants to pass along that maybe you get the sense that he wished that his father would have given him or mm-hmm. that he could have given right. Peter's father as his uh, younger brother. Um, yeah. Just to um, to make sure he understands this. It's, it's something that he wished he'd known all of his life, that whatever you have, yeah. um, no matter how big or small it is, you have to use that uh, for the betterment of the community, of the people around you, of your family. Um, and, you know, depending on the scale of that, you know, the whole world. So it's it's a very yeah. important lesson. And it feels like something that um, he, yeah, he wished that he'd gotten to. And he wishes that he could be more articulate. Um, he's right. come up with this, right. with this mantra of um, with great power comes great responsibility. Um, the stuff around it um, is a little bit rougher um at the yeah. at the edges he wishes that he could impart this in a much better way um but he's do, but again yeah he's doing the best that he can mm-hmm. yeah, i think that's a like, very good uh, yeah, way to yeah, describe yeah. the difference between the two uncle bens i think that martin sheen's uncle ben is very articulate um oh yeah uncle, in, in the martin way that bartlett was very articulate you know <laughs> yeah. he, martin, can, martin, he can walk into a room and command it yeah. Um, which is a very different kind of Uncle Ben from from Cliff's Uncle Ben. Martin Sheen's yeah. Uncle Ben sort of reminds me a little bit of it's sort of stunt casting of a death of a salesman. It's mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> it's um, yeah. it's a much more articulate guy playing, you know that that role of so it's like seeing Martin Sheen in you know his in his like overalls um, and doing like plumbing in the basement. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily feel as authentic much as I, I love that actor and what he's doing, yeah. um, and, and the way that it was written, it's just, there's a lot of baggage that comes along with that. Mm-hmm. And sure. I think for a lot of us going to see that this might've been the first, you know, Cliff Robertson movie that, you know, we'd seen, um, totally. you know, uh, depending on when we got to it, but as, as someone who was, you know, 32, 30, uh, 32 years old, um, Looking back on this, I was, you know, I was, you know, so this was 2002. Yep. 
Yeah. So yeah, so it was, it was much younger. I hadn't seen like even, you know, Three Days of the Condor or, you know, or Gidget yeah. or like some of these, some of these movies that Cliff Robertson is yeah. famous for. So I didn't bring that baggage with me, whereas I was a big West Wing fan coming to uh, Amazing Spider-Man. So right. uh, it's yeah. it's interesting. But I, I, I just, I love the casting. I think it was really inspired. And this is his moment to shine in this movie. And yeah. um, I think it's a fantastic scene. It really is. You both touched on uh, the sort of um, searching for the way to properly phrase things, uh, uh, sort of energy that he has going into it. And one of the things I love about the way they um, edited this scene uh, is in any sort of like simple conversation like this, where we're going shot reverse shot. And then as the scene progresses, moving into closer, um, closer coverage uh, in the conversation, the, the big decisions are going to be when you linger on whose face. And one of the things I love about that moment where Peter sort of points out that he's fumbled over his words and said it improperly. I didn't start that fight. You know, don't that was I supposed to run away? We, we don't stay with Peter on that moment. We stay with Cliff Robertson as he almost apologizes for screwing up and then comes up with this new tactic, this new approach. And you can watch him, shift in his chair as he comes up with the new tactic to no. what I really want to focus on is, is look, you're changing. You know, I, I went for this, the same thing when I was your age, that, that moment, that uh, change in his tact or demeanor approach is something we just stay with. We just leave the camera on him for that moment. We don't even see mm-hmm. Peter's eyes in those moments, but we do see Peter's eyes on not exactly. And then we're sort of back in a more traditional coverage and then we're finally closer in there. So I like, I like that they gave room in the edit for that um, not fumbling, but, but, but searching and then finding a new um, direction to go in. It's just an opportunity to watch the actor think is something Mm -hmm. that I think is really important in, in in one of these um, sort of conversations. And they really do nail the tone and also just uh, on a more stylistic approach, this scene is one of the few sections of the movie where for over a minute, because this scene, this part of the scene is going to continue into tomorrow's conversations. We don't have a score happening. Mm-hmm. There's no music here in this scene. We're in the car with sort of, you know, the diegetic sounds of New York city around us, but there's no music underscoring it. Nothing trying to be any extra cinematic uh, uh, approaches here. It's just two people talking. And, and you can we totally see yeah, yeah, there being yeah. a temptation to add score to a scene yeah. like this, but absolutely, and and you know, and I don't even know if there was you know some version where they actually tried scoring under it or something, but um, yeah, really smart choice to to leave that out because you don't need that yeah. at all in a scene like mm-hmm. this, and that would only, you know, that. I, I, that would take away some of the authenticity of of the moment of the of the chemistry between the two actors of um, what is being said and uh, uh, it's those are bells you do not need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I and I also um, another part of this conversation that I really love is uh, the wording of when Uncle Ben is he's he's taking that. Um, that change and he's having that conversation where he's like, you know, you are at a point in your life where you're going to become the man that you're going to be forever. And Mm -hmm. I love the way that it was, it's worded here and the way that it's used in this context, because it's, it's basically just presupposing what's going to happen, you know, at 10 o'clock tonight. Um, (laughs) And and that, this is the moment 
that's going to change Peter's life forever. Um, it yeah. wasn't getting bit by that spider, although it, that didn't help things. But <laughs> yeah. This, yeah, this very particular choice that he's making, that he's going to make around 945 tonight. Yeah. That choice is this going is to it. change everything for him and make him become the man that he's going to be for the rest of his life. And I, and I love that we're, we're sort of telegraphing that with that line and leading yeah. it into the, the great power, great responsibility line. And the choice yeah. starts here in this moment, not just at nine forty-five, because right. the choice is yeah. to not actually hear what uncle right. Ben is saying. It's not to take yeah. that to heart. It's to just be passive about it. Because like you said, the spider biting him, that's passive. He didn't do anything you know, to get those power, the spider, you know, landed on him, bit him. He played no active role in that. Um, mm -hmm. This is also going to be a passive decision to not stop the robber later on. Um, yeah. To just let him go. But there is more of an act. There's more of a choice there. Um, yeah. He, you know, he didn't see the spider. He could have seen the spider and chosen to swat it away or something or just let it bite right, him. Right. Um, that yeah. would be a weird moment. But um, with this, yeah. he has a choice to do one thing or the other, and he chooses to right. ch chooses inaction. Right. Um, yeah. And that is, yeah, that yeah. is the defining moment. But it all starts here in this car and not listening, not taking this message to heart, not seeing how much it matters to Uncle Ben, yeah. who is putting everything into this moment. It's going to be a huge moment uh, in Uncle Ben's life when you actually zoom out and look at the thread of his life. Um, yeah. But then, and not just because he gets killed, but because this is when he imparts the most important information, the most important lesson that he can. Um, it just yeah. so happens that he dies almost immediately thereafter. But yeah. for Peter, it's, you know, it's also going to be one of those really important moments. But at the time, he didn't recognize that. And again, that's going to be the thing where he wakes up in the middle of the night, years and years from now. I wish that I would have, you know, said thank you yeah. or listened mm -hmm. in that moment. It's, and I think yeah. that, I think that this is, um, this is uh, as good a point as any to bring up the fact that, uh, you know, we're talking about Uncle Ben, uh, you know, giving Peter this, this advice, um, this turn of phrase that uh, is so iconic and has, because of this film, become so iconic as the words of Uncle Ben – but 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 the reality of the situation is that uh, Uncle Ben never spoke these words uh, in the comics. It's it's been retconned yeah. that he did. Um, but yeah. uh, originally, the actual turn of phrase, which is uh, with great power, there must also come great responsibility, uh, actually comes from the very first issue. Of uh, or the very first Spider-Man story in Amazing Fantasy, and it's the final panel of the of the story, and narration. it's and it's just yeah. in narration, yeah. yeah. Um, and I I think and that's as we really... know it was narrated by Uncle Ben's ghost, right? So, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> no <laughs> <retcon> needed. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Who, who Stan Lee, who has become sort of this weird uh, uh, combo figure of uh, J. Jonah Jameson meets Uncle Ben uh, into like one human being. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's I, I think that's uh, it's really interesting because. I don't know if it had been retconned as um, a turn of phrase from Uncle Ben before this movie. I assume it had mm-hmm. been probably. Yeah, because the animated series uses it. Uh, oh, yeah. right, right, right. In the 90s, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And probably and, the, um, um, the uh, that, that uh, S- Spider-Man sort of like reboot miniseries that was done by um, uh, the oh, Man yeah. of Steel artist, um, writer artist. Yeah. Uh, What's, like what's his name? Or something? Um, I don't know. Paul. Uh, wait, wait. The man, Man of Steel writer. Yeah, yeah. Superman, Man of Steel. John Byrne. Yes, John Byrne. When John Byrne did that, did that reboot of uh, of the Spider-Man comics, I think in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, that they might have uh, tied those two threads together of the Uncle Ben and the phrasing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, they might have done it at that point. I'm not sure. Um, mm-hmm. I'd have to do some research. Yeah, on that, and, but... and another thing to check would be the, I mean the the an, the original like Spider Man and his Amazing Friends animated stuff. Oh, right. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. entirely sure mm-hmm. if he says it there, but yeah, yeah. At at any rate, this this phrasing of it, the the shortened phrasing of "with great power comes great responsibility," feels like it entered most thoroughly into the popular consciousness from this moment in the movie. Mm-hmm. I think you know when uh, when. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how to finish that up. But just, well, I, just this uh, changed it. Yeah, just a couple of weeks ago, I was having a conversation uh, with with my girlfriend, and um, mm-hmm. she had. I, I forget how it had come up. I, maybe she was listening to one of our early episodes or something like that. Um, but she mm-hmm. asked where that that turn of phrase came from. The, the great power, great responsibility. And I said, what do you mean? Yeah. And she's like, well, where did it come from? Like they used it in this movie, but where did it come from? And I was like, from the Spider-Man comics. And she was like, what, what do you mean? It's just like a, like, that's just like a saying, isn't it? And I'm like, no, no, that's something that <laughs> they sort of made up. I mean, I'm sure there are sayings that have like a similar thought process meaning. behind them. Yeah, yeah. similar meaning. Yeah. But but the the great power, great responsibility, that comes from that amazing uh, amazing fantasy issue. Fancy. Yeah. And yeah. you know it's it's because yeah. I, I wonder, you know, like even in that the, the moment of of scripting that stuff or in the the weeks and months and years afterwards, um mm-hmm. there, there are tons of maxims in superhero comics that are used and just like casually thrown away all the time. I wonder right. when it really started to take on that. Oh yeah, it's right here in this issue. Um, probably going over that origin story over and over again, and saying, "Here, this last line—that's really poignant. Let's let's capitalize on that. Let's um, you know, let's yeah. let's reprise that moment." Um, in you know, I'm uh, in, in in our Spider-Man miniseries that we're working on. I'm playing the role of a mm-hmm. person who wrote Spider-Man at some point in this hypothetical thing. Um, basically, saying uh-huh. let's 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 use that. Um, and, uh, there are tons of other, you know, phrases like that, that, uh, just, you know, they're on the page once and then they never kind of go back to them because superheroes are, you know, it's a, it's, it's American folklore and some stuff stays, yeah. some stuff doesn't, it gets dropped off. Then sometimes, you know, later on a new writer will pick up on something that had been forgotten for a while. Um, so it's really interesting phrases like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's absolutely. just one of the more pure expressions of superherodom in general. I mean, it, it it's as much a 
uh, almost a Superman type uh, mm-hmm. phrase as it is a Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, some, uh, some, some listeners yeah. uh, might know me from my tenure at ifanboy.com and the podcast. Um, one of our great uh, t-shirt ideas uh, early on uh, in, in my own fandom of iFanboy was a, a, a great power, great responsibility uh, line chart where it was just like <laughs> the, the the greater the power, the greater responsibility. Uh, oh, right. I remember that of, shirt. Uh, that was a great shirt. Yeah, just like a quadrant oh. of, a, of a graph. And, you know, oh, man. Yeah. I wish they would bring that shirt back. I'd buy that in a second. Now. It's, it was a yeah. it was a really great concept, and it just I mean it just plays off. Of, it's a it's a very simple idea, and mm-hmm. it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like th- yeah. this and more I, than anything and I, and else. I like, yeah, I, and, and and I like that he sort of reiterates it three times, and he doesn't stick the landing until he says, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Because right before that, he says, "Just because you can doesn't mean you should." Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. is sort of another mm-hmm. word for that, and 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 so like, I you know I just I really like the the flow of this conversation leading to, you know the 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 line because in the original but, yeah. Keptrap the way that we get to that line is that Peter is sort of like waxing on about the 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 problems that he's having the sort of angst he's having as a teenager and he literally mm-hmm. says I feel like. And, and, he, and he's, it's the angst of being a teenager and also having these new powers. And so he's like trying to subtly, unsubtly say what, what the truth is to Ben without actually telling him that he has uh, spider powers. And so he says, I feel right. like I have all of this great power <laughs> and I don't know what to do with it. Um, and, and so it's just, it's really silly, the build up to the, to the line. I mean, that's and the I, equivalent and, right. of being like, I'm some kind of a spider man, like <laughs> right. just yeah. so on the nose and yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 The, the lightness of the touch, like moving it away from, you know, the, the narration quality or like big picture stuff, but just specifically violence uh you know the the sort of the the new physicality of it uh i i really like linking it to to the bullying incident more so than mm-hmm. um you know it, it, talking about intellectual abilities that peter might have talking about that the one that's most key to uh consequence and mm-hmm. uh, uh ugly consequence is mm-hmm. is the fighting thing so i like that i really like that idea of how you we slide into this really big picture philosophical beat but we go about it in a uh, avuncular a, a sort of dad lesson about that kid probably deserved what happened to him. But just because you can beat him up doesn't mean you should. Right. And because that's how I mean, that's that, the, like, yeah. And I mean, that's that that's the voice of the story speaking to the audience as well, because, yeah. It, yeah. you know, it, it wouldn't be terribly valuable. It would be kind of be too far removed from our everyday experience if. You know, if Uncle Ben was was directly referencing spider powers or if he was referencing, yeah. you know, Peter spending his time in underground cage wrestling, mm-hmm. like that's <laughs> yeah. a little bit far rem- further removed. And you need to make it so that the the ideal is that the kid in the audience is like, that kind of relates to what's going on in my yeah. life. And so mm-hmm. yeah. I should listen to Uncle Ben and and like, Peter, why aren't you listening? Right. And I think the difference between the two executions is that, you know, Kep was writing a Spider-Man movie 
in the vein of like the the Brian Singer X Men movies, like what were you expecting? Yellow spandex kind right. of uh, movie, and this is a much more earnest approach. And I think when that shift happened, they had to execute this scene in a much more earnest, uh, you know, earnest, uh, emotionally raw sort of way, um, yeah, which snark the free. which. Right, which the kept draft was not doing. The kept draft was still trying to be a little too aware of itself in in certain mm-hmm. moments. Certain moments are great, and then other moments like that, like that porch scene, just doesn't really work because it it feels like Kep is like eating his vegetables in a way that <laughs> no one is enjoying. Right. Mm. <laughs> yeah, where it's almost a, a burden rather than a um, right a gift. To say right. to you know have to take care of something like this, yeah, yeah. right. And you can tell this Sam is... Raimi treats this as a gift, yeah, right. This um, or whatever form uh, of script that Cliff Robinson uh, got from his agent or whatever, um, this is the scene where it earns his time and attention to be mm-hmm. in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, I mean, like I said, this guy, Three Days of the Condor, like a, a bazillion movies across the spectrum westerns beach movies uh, all kinds of things yeah. uh dramas and uh why is he gonna because you know again this is this is before the age of comic book movies where you get you know actors like glenn close coming in to do uh, to do things because they're mm-hmm. you know their nieces and nephews or grandkids would like it like that's sure. why they take on these roles. Where this at this point, this is a huge question mark, you know. Yeah. Uh, the first Spider-Man movie. Um. So, they but with that with this scene, however it was written, um, at that point, uh, this is where you get Cliff Robertson to come in and say, "Yeah, mm-hmm. there's something here for me to do." There's, and it's not yeah, just a thankless, you know, get shot in the head by Sandman <laughs> or right. Mysterio right. or whoever. <laughs> There's a, there's a common refrain in the behind the scenes book about a lot of the actors who were sort of, you know, a bit trepidatious about coming on board. The first conversation they had with Sam Raimi was what really got them on board because maybe the script wasn't what a hundred percent what it was going to be yet. Maybe the idea seemed cartoony, but that Sam would come to these long phone conversations that were often over an hour long with people talking about why this was important sort of folklore and what it meant to people. And that, that would be sort of the thing to bring them on board. So it's just like you were saying that there's almost um, textual evidence for that, (laughs) at least that he, um, he got, he, he he understood that there was something meaty to be done here. And, um, and he, he knocked it out of the park, I think. Okay, Mm -hmm. good. Cause that was a total shot in the dark on my, (laughs) on my part. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at the uh, the shooting draft right now, um, uh-huh. and th- this scene is uh, different, uh, and it it still yeah. includes Peter saying, "I feel all of this, all of this power, but I don't know what it means wow. or how to control yeah. it or what I'm supposed to do with it." But watching the scene, yeah. it doesn't feel scripted. This feels like something that I mean, not in a like a. a Apatow kind of totally improvised way where they mm-hmm, just have sure. like bullet points. But like this feels like something where uh, actors and directors like went off into a corner, sat down and said, okay, what, you know, what are we, what are the important things we want to get across in the scene? Mm-hmm. And so right. it, it feels very organic in that way. 
Yeah, yeah, because it is it is very different, and I and I it's much more of a dialogue. Uh, mm. in in this scene, it's a lot of back and forth. Um, it it, it seems that they cut most of Peter's dialogue uh, out of this scene um, in comparison. Mm. It made it made it a little bit more of a lecture, except for moments where Peter is sort of like defending himself because he feels attacked. Um, yeah. But in th this version of Peter is much more petulant and impatient uh, in the script. And, and so mm. I like it more as a sort of um, Peter bottling up how he's feeling about this conversation until he sort yeah. of blows up at the end. And he wants to get yeah. out that car door mm -hmm. and get on his way yeah. to this, this cage wrestling match. Um, right. he, he's got he money to wants win. wants to get out. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't, yeah. And so he doesn't want to, he's, he's not giving anything up. He's being, you know, slightly polite in at least listening and not just racing out the door. Um, but he's not going to contribute to this conversation that much. Mm -hmm. um, right. He's just he's basically just waiting for it to be over, and then right. when he feels attacked, like um, you know, when uh, when Uncle Ben basically suggests that he started the fight, he's gonna mm -hmm. you know uh, defend himself. But other than that, he's just waiting for this to be over so he can get out the car and go where he's going. Which is a much yeah. more accurate thing for a teenager to do. That that's what te that's yes. how teenagers act in situations yeah. like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. They're not going to come unburden their, I just feel like I have all this on them. He's, it's, it's much more realistic to just be impatient. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like a teen, if a teenager is going to be in that mode, they're going to have started it. Usually they just like, they appear yeah. at the dinner table and like, this is something that I've been thinking about while I've been grounded and I'm going to lay it out for you. And they'll get yeah. into the back and forth of it with this. He feels ambushed because, you know, he just wants to get this ride and, go where he needs to go. He probably wishes he could drive himself or, you know, yeah. go in the subway or whatever, or web sling his yeah. way there. Um, but, <laughs> but basically he's, he's in this car. He doesn't want to be there. He just wants. And so but when you talk about, you know, scripting and character motivations and what they want, this feels very natural that he wouldn't be so talkative mm -hmm. and that he yeah. just want to, you know, endure it and then get gone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that's uh, that's all I got for this minute. Um, we have some general mm. Spider-Man questions to ask you, Paul, but we'll we'll <laughs> save that for lighter minutes. Um, this one, <laughs> sure. this one, this one's a pretty hefty minute. It's a big deal. I would okay. say so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, Paul, tell people about uh, Fuzzy Typewriter. Fuzzy Typewriter is a podcast that I've been doing off and on for about ten years, but we're back in earnest. Um, me and mm. my buddy David Acampo, uh, my co-writer. Uh, on frequent projects, including an upcoming graphic novel called The Margins with an artist named Amanda Donahue. That's through Fanbase Press. That should hopefully be mm -hmm. out around this time next year, sometime next year. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, uh, but uh, Fuzzy Typewriter is about story, storytellers, art, and artists. And so we like to talk about uh, movies, television, uh, comics, um, there's a there's an album that I want to, a narrative album that I want to talk about on one of the upcoming episodes and um, basically talking about the media that we love uh, often very geeky things um, but get in in depth kind of like what you guys are doing so um, maybe not minute by minute but we do like to to get in there and uh, and talk about why the story matters to us how we came to it um, what we've learned from it. Uh, and so we have a lot of fun doing that. So that's Fuzzy Typewriter. You can find that on iTunes. Uh, and Fuzzy Typewriter is also my uh, handle on Twitter. So that's where you can find me. Beautiful. 
Awesome. All right. Well, uh, you can find us at our uh, Facebook group, um, the uh, Friendly Neighborhood uh, listener group um, on uh, Facebook. So go uh, go there and you can find uh, posts about any sort of uh, Spider-Man related news. Although I think I'm going to have to um, put up a spoiler wall soon for, for Homecoming. Uh, yeah. As that movie is yeah. coming, coming closer to coming out, I think we're probably going to have to throw it out up so that uh, people know not to post spoiler things. Um, so, uh, so yeah, you don't need to be worried about that because I'm, I, you know, by the time you hear this, the spoiler wall will probably already be up. Um, so, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so go check that out and see all that. And, uh, we'll be back tomorrow with uh, minute 37. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye.